Praise the Lord. So, there were these two little boys spending the night at their grandparents' house. And before they went to bed, they knelt down by the bed and said their prayers. And one of the brothers, when he was praying, he, sh he shouted real loud, and God, please give me a new bicycle. <laughs> and the, uh, the other brother said, what are you shouting for? God can hear everything. He said, I know, but Grandpa's in the other room and he's already hearing. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The Lord instructs us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This week is Thanksgiving, as you all know, and I'm very thankful for that. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest holidays there is to me. And, uh, you know, Christians, uh, above all people of the earth, should be thankful people. You know, we're the ones that have the most to be thankful for. Now, in the natural, uh, people are hurting, of course. We know this. We're not uh, ignorant of the facts. But we know that the truth, which is God's truth, trumps the facts. Amen. We live in a time and a culture where some just want to call evil good and force us to is the problem. <laughs> and some just want anarchy and, um, and violence and, 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 and sin. Others don't. They have good intentions but the utopia that they believe that they can create uh, apart from God is just pride. The problem is pride, sin. All sin stems out of pride. The evil heart of man, you see, because a lot of our society bases their, their goals and objectives on the fact that people are basically good. But the Bible teaches that the heart of man is wicked, desperately evil. That's all of us. We're in that boat, folks, until you were born again. Now, you, you still may act as mean as a snake. If your mind hasn't been renewed and you haven't been discipled in this word and your soulless realm has not been transformed to accommodate or to agree with your born-again spirit, but in your spirit, there is no more evil concupiscence. That concupiscence is just an overwhelming desire to do evil that came with your, your father, the devil's nature before you knew Jesus. Now God, the, the Father in heaven, is your Father. Amen. Amen. But the truth is, everybody was born into that situation because of the corrupted seed of fallen man. Amen. Or oh me. <laughs> but the answer is Jesus. Yes. Amen. The answer is Jesus, and you have him. Amen. So your eternal address has been changed. And so, if you're living this life, instead of looking through a beautiful, bright, clean 
windshield for a, a bright future that God has for you and you spend your whole life staring in that little rear view mirror, that's part of the problem. I like to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving since it's Thanksgiving coming up. The pilgrims who uh, left Plymouth, England on September 6th of 1620 uh, and their destination was of course the New World. These were Christians and their journey was filled with all sorts of uncertainty and, and peril and, and uh, they suffered great loss. But there was an offer there. There was, a, there was hope of both civil and religious liberty. And that's what they were after. Something this country is in jeopardy of losing if we not if we don't do something, yes. if, if the Christians don't agree and stand up, which can change everything overnight. Yes, amen. Overnight, we could do away with about 57 genders. Yes, amen. A boy would be raised knowing what bathroom to go into. Yeah. And I'm saying this in love, folks, because anyone that would do the things, force the teachings and allow the medical things and all that to these babies. That's demonic, folks. Amen. It's just demonic. So, I, you know, if they wanted to picket our church, <laughs> I would invite them in because this is where they need to be. And then once they hear the real truth, they may leave without their sign, you know. Because some, many of them have never, never heard the truth. The strongholds are in our mind. And it's, it's a thought. It's an imagination. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that's been put in there and you agree with it. That's wrong. All counseling in, for ministers is just shining the light of God's truth on wrong beliefs that people have struggled with that dis disagree with the word of God. That's all. And that's what the whole world needs. What we all need. Anywhere we're off. We have so many compartments in our lives. Many of them have been surrendered to the Lord. Some of them are still just, you've got chains and padlocks and everything else around them. I love you, Lord. But you can't have what's behind me. This is mine. I'm afraid you'll take it away. <laughs> but from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Are you really? In, are you really in belief? Are you really in faith? If you're not trusting him with everything. Talking to all of us. Listen, for over two months, 102 people on that Mayflower, they went, you know, it wasn't smart of them to leave in September to head to the east coast of the United States anyway on a two-month journey. They got there at the end of November, and they surged up and down the coastline for a good place to park, and they... It was December the 11th when they got off at Plymouth Rock. But before they did, they signed something called the Mayflower Compact. And that was America's first document of civil government and the first to introduce self-government and good things. And it was all godly based, just like our Constitution was. Just like all of the great what used to be known as the great universities of our nation. They all had a chapel and insignias that have been marked out in most of them were all about God. They went to church first, the chapel first, and then they went to class. Mm -hmm. 
Now most of them have excluded God from their campus. You see, not unusual. This, is, this has happened before in this nation, before great revivals broke out. And you're going to see it again. Hallelujah. So they had a prayer service, and then the pilgrims, when they got on the land, and they started building their, their shelters, and they half of them didn't make it through that harsh New, uh, new, uh, new England winter. But in the spring, we know that they had a, a celebration. And they invited the Indian friends who had helped them to make it. And they brought five deers and all the guys went out a-fouling. When they read the accounts of these old English, a-fouling. <laughs> Doesn't mean they were playing baseball and just hitting foul balls. It means they were bird hunting. They went out and shot a few partridges in a pair of trees. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a turkey or two. They got them big, beautiful gobblers out there on the east. But then they had a, a three-day feast and and so forth and so on. And they, they gave thanks to God. And, and this was the sort of the first Thanksgiving, right? But I won't read the account that I that I was going to read from one of the old books. I take too much of your time today, but I love all the history of it, so I usually share a lot more of that. But they went on, you know, and getting to the point that where we have a, an annual Thanksgiving now was always a sort of a godly thing. It started in the churches, like in 1789, a proclamation uh, issued by President George Washington. America celebrated its first day of Thanksgiving to God under its new constitution. That same year, a Protestant uh, Episcopal church, you know, I know I, I make fun of because they're so quiet, the frozen chosen, but, but uh, hey, they're still brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. I pray that we'll see some of them there. The, but President George Washington was a member, uh, he was an Episcopal uh, guy. That's why he looks so stoic in all his pictures. <laughs> But he announced that the first Thursday uh, of every November would be a regular day of giving thanks. And then there was a woman uh, named uh, Sarah Joseph Hale, the editor of uh, God, Godby's Ladies Book, something like it. For 30 years, I always bring her up because for 30 years she petitioned president after president to make a national Thanksgiving holiday to th give thanks to God. Um, and um, guess who actually did it? Lincoln, in the midst of the Civil War. Yeah, so in the midst of terrible tragedy, um, President Lincoln in 1863 set aside the last Thursday of November as a national holiday for Thanksgiving. And over the next 75 years, presidents followed Lincoln's precedent, annually declaring a national Thanksgiving. So, and then in 1941, so right before we entered into World War II, the world, world was already at war. In 1941, Congress permanently established the fourth Thursday of each November as a national holiday. But something really interesting about 1863, we're in the middle of the Civil War, and uh, Lincoln made a, a Thanksgiving proclamation, it's quite lengthy, I've read it, um, but it was, it was a really uh, wonderful time for Lincoln, even though it was in the midst of terrible adversity and tragedy. If you notice, all wonderful things seem to be birthed out of tragedy, especially with the church. In times of greatest persecution, the church always expands. Yes. That's why we're you're gonna see in this beginning phases of this great awakening, which could be last decades, but there's gonna be, things are gonna not necessarily improve in our culture for a time, but the hearts of people are going to be turned back to God. You're going to see wonderful things begin to happen. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. But um, during the first week of July of 1863, the Battle of Gettysburg had occurred. We lost 60,000 Americans in that one fight. Imagine that, 60,000 American boys just fighting each other and dying out there on a the battlefield. And, you know, um, 
in November of that month, uh, Lincoln delivered his famous Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our father brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that is that all men are created equal. It's therefore, altogether fitting and proper. Nevertheless, so he, he, he it made such a great impact on him walking in, amongst in this battlefield where all this tragedy had taken place. Um, the thousands of graves there in Gettysburg, that that's where that's where Lincoln committed his life to Christ. Um, he explained to a, a friend in a letter, he said, when I left Springfield, talking about when he left to go assume the presidency, this was after many failures in his life, by the way, many failures, I asked the people to pray for me. So he asked the people to pray for, you know, jailhouse religion, that kind of thing, it's the only heard about earlier, that's not uncommon. You know, just make my problems go away or let me stick with the traditions and doctrines of man. And yeah, we can pray and give thanks. And you know, the devil's not afraid of an uncommitted Christian. Okay, like I told you before. But he said, I asked the people to pray for me when I left Springfield. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. So I always like to think about that and, and uh, think about how Thanksgiving has evolved and, uh, and, uh, and lasted throughout all these centuries. But we get to, to today, and, and the, the question is, how do we even perceive Thanksgiving now? Because it's something that you, we really need to think about. Um, is it a day spent in prayer and, uh, well, I won't say fasting because I don't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't ask anyone to fast. I think, you know, it's, it's supposed to, it's a day that we're supposed to enjoy good food and family and, and all that. But, but I guess you could. But, you know, it does, it would be wise to pray and to, to set time apart to be with God, and most of you I know always do that anyway. But don't you know when things get busy, it's harder uh, for some of us to do that. But you know, you can walk. You know, there someone wrote a book one time says, "Get up and pray." In other words, what she was meant by that was when you don't just pray in your prayer time down on your knees or however you pray but when you get up and start off on your day keep praying you know pray all day then just keep your mind on the Lord you can do that he'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him won't he Isaiah 26 3 promises that and people say well I have work to do I can't just float around in a cloud all day well you're going to think about something if you can think about all your cares and worries and concerns and trials and tribulations of your work uh, life while you're at work, you can think about the Lord and His promises and provision. And it's much better. The effects are much better. But we need to just be mindful and vocal. You know, our faith is voice activated about the blessings of God in our life. Thankfulness to God may be the most important thing or part of the Christian life. And it's not something that we often talk about or think about. We think about, we talk about faith and unbelief and, and the promises and prayer and things like that. But, but thankfulness is just such a huge part of it that it's hard to, hard to, um, hard not to talk about. So this is a perfect time to talk about it. And the problem with most Christians is that they see the Christian life as not much of a life. If the truth be known. And so the struggle is to keep one foot in their salvation and one foot in the world. You know, where it's fun. And nothing really can be further from the truth. Because you're really never moving into the fullness of every wonderful thing that God has for you as long as you're on that seesaw. Right. To really fully enjoy the Christian life that God wrote out for you requires Christ to be at the center of that life. 
of every part of that life. And this is where most of us are lacking to some degree. Everybody is to some degree, but many, many, especially in America, are, are, are struggling with this particular point way more than even Christians around the world. That's why ministers love to go overseas. Not necessarily everywhere. Don't, I'm not talking about England and places like that where they, you can't even, you can read out of the Bible, but you can't state it as fact. I'm talking about places where they don't have a lot and they, you know, they'll walk for days like the woman with the issue of blood who were desperate for God and she went, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. So she broke laws, did whatever she had to do to get to Jesus. That's the same thing. They'll walk for days to get to a meeting that ministers have. And people get healed and, and whole by the thousands, saved. And then that same minister will come back to America. And it's hard to get anybody even stand up and say prayer of salvation. And they get discouraged. Their anointing hasn't changed. We have to deal with a lot of evangelists because of this, because they, they get used and it's like, you need to just go humble yourself and serve a small church somewhere. Go paint the church, go mow the grass, humble yourself. It wasn't you when those 5,000 people crowds were there, 100,000 or like Daniel Kalinda, they've had millions, you know. And uh, I know him and I've been in settings with him and Reinhardt when he was alive and they the same thing. I, I watched them pray for everybody there. I didn't see anybody run up and down the aisle and say they were miraculously healed. It was a big banquet hall, you know, we were in and we were just all hanging out and eating and white tablecloths and all this stuff. And, and mostly preachers who are the hardest ones to try to teach anything because they think they know everything. <laughs> and so... Anyway, I don't know why I got off on that, but maybe it'll help somebody. <laughs> uh, in other words, folks, at Thanksgiving time, I just want to remind you, maybe it'll carry over into all of the holidays and then into the year and, and maybe forever, is that we need to be full of God and not just full of ourselves. <clears throat> Full of God and not just full of uh, turkey and uh, pumpkin pie. Huh? I'm telling you that one of the greatest tools to staying full of God and of the of the, the the love of God, the peace of God, His blessing, His provisions, uh, is to thank Him continually, often, and from a sincere heart. To praise him. It's okay to lift these hands. I know we've come from all sorts of denominations and backgrounds. But these are like your spiritual antennas, folks. And sometimes they can feel very heavy. Like the last thing you can lift in the whole room. <laughs> That's exactly when you need to. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. And you want to drive the enemy off when he's doing his worst, you praise your God the loudest. Yes. Amen. And he will flee. That's resisting the devil. Amen. Romy. Chris, thanks, thankfulness to God is like a spiritual thermometer for a Christian. So I always talk about litmus tests because it's good to have lots of things to sort of do the checkup from the neck up, I call it. Do like this. Hold a basketball in your hand. Invisible. Or a soccer ball. Depending on who you are. Now just now take it and put it on your face like this. Just put it. There's your problem, okay? So right between the ears, the battlefield is in your mind. And whenever you start feeling the blues. And you start feeling down and out and you start feeling rejected and neglected and forgotten and mistreated. Stop looking in the rearview mirror, first of all, and, and go clean your windshield <laughs> and start seeing what God has for you because he's got a bright future. We never want to let our memories be bigger than our dreams. And I know that's not easy. I know. But 
That's what God has for you. Where he, what he has for you is in the future, in the present, today. That's why it's called the present. It's a gift. <laughs> and you need to check your spiritual thermometer and see if you're a thankful per person. Matthew Henry, I like to tell this story. He has great commentary that a lot of times people refer to. Um, and once he was traveling, and back then it was horseback. Sort of like, I think Big Daddy, my, my great-grandfather, who was a pastor, he had a circuit where they paid him in chickens and stuff like that before he had the Methodist Church in Coleman and then in Brownwood. But, but he didn't have to go on horseback. But Matthew Henry did. And he was traveling to preach one time, and he got robbed at gunpoint. And he said, um, you know, this you get robbed, they take everything you got, and you're on a horseback for starters. You can't call <laughs> the AAA, nothing. So, you know, it left, it put him in a bad situation. You wouldn't think of this as a time to give thanks. But in his journal, or his whatever you call it, and, um, after he was gone, they found a notation about it. And he wrote, I'm thankful that during these years I've never been robbed before. Also, even though they took my money, they did not take my life. Although they took all I had, it, it wasn't much. Finally, I'm grateful that it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Mm -hmm. So there's always something to be thankful for. Yes. That's my point. It's a choice. It is a choice, folks. And we just go from, you know, even when we get what we want in this country, I'm not talking about any of y'all. When folks get what they want, because they got to have something they want all the time. If they don't know what they want, they'll get online and search for something to want. <laughs> but then when they get what they want, they don't spend time praising God and thanking Him for that. They start thinking about what else I don't have. <laughs> and they move on to the next thing to want. Yes. And let me tell you, that is not a godly attitude. Just saying. <laughs> don't, don't shout me down for preaching good. <laughs> There's a danger to a thankless heart. So there's a warning. And then the other side of the, strong, the, the, the coin is there are great benefits. So the warning, listen to this in Romans chapter 1. Well, let me turn over to Romans chapter 1 because it's very, very powerful. <clears throat> Start at the 18th verse. Well, no, I want to go back to the 16th verse because this is important to everyone who, it's good to be a believing believer and to be, and to, to be proud of that in a good way. I'm not talking about the negative kind of pride. I'm talking about be proud of our Lord Jesus. Huh? For I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel. That's the good news. That's the grace of God. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So if you have the gospel, every one of you know the gospel. Hey, Jesus is the son of God. He came and died on the cross for your sins. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And now all you got to do is confess him as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth he is Lord and you'll be saved. Now, that's not hard. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And if that's the power of God to save people from a, eternity in hell, why the, <laughs> wouldn't you share it with anybody? <laughs> yeah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he said. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is in... It, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You see that? It's not that people don't know that there's a God and that they don't have a conscience and they're not, not aware. They suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Look at this. God is saying that they don't, they're atheists or just liars. They weren't always that way. There was a time and when God stands face to face with everyone, they won't, they won't be in denial of the times he made himself known to them. For the, they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. You see that? Mm -hmm. You can take people to the scripture and say, don't give me that. There's some, there's some time, some way. And if you don't remember, pray and ask God just to remind me when you showed me that you were real. Hey, that's a good prayer for someone who really wants the truth. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Listen, you can, you can look around and look at all the animals that, that Noah put on the ark. What did he say? What did Noah say after he put all the animals on the ark anyway? Now I heard everything. <laughs> Come on. That's kind of funny. But you know, Noah and them, all eight of them, could have looked around that ark and they just said, hey, hey, that, that there are none of these uh, animals complaining that I didn't put another one of the same sex on here for them. <laughs> you know? That's what he's saying. You can look around at the things that have been made and you'll see God in it. And you'll see his will and his way. Hello. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, there it is again, they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Look at that. And it all stems out of an unthankful heart. But they became futile in their thinking. There's where the strongholds enter in. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. You know, there are, they said that 20% or 25% or something like that of one of the political parties on the exit polls said that they thought it was possible for a man to have a baby. You have to have a PhD to believe that. <laughs> Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And listen, a large part of the pulpits in America today say, well, well the Bible's very vague about these things. Nope. <laughs> I don't think so. I can't find any vague uh, reference. No ambiguity. Very direct. And this is coming by the man that wrote the majority of the New Testament. <coughs> we don't know exactly how much. Maybe three quarters. If he wrote Hebrews, which he did. But 
the, the majority on Thanksgiving. There's going to be a half a pie left, and they're going to cut it in half, and they're going to give Joey a piece, and they're going to give Jeff a piece, and one of them is going to get the bigger piece. That's the majority, okay? You know what the majority is if you've been watching the elections. Of course, they're going to try to skew that, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made it. Never mind. Let's just move on. Anyways, did you see the verse I was getting at, Romans 121? They weren't thankful. And he caused their darkened hearts to be darkened, and, 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 and they just eventually just waxed cold. The Lord kept trying to reach them, showing them himself, revealing himself. They shoved him away, stiff arm him, stiff arm him, wax, wax, wax cold, wax cold, wax cold. Until they got so much wax in their spiritual ears that they can't even hear him anymore. That's why Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, he wasn't talking about natural ears. This is the condition of those uh, who were hardened in their hearts. And how they did it. When we refuse to honor and esteem God and his wonderful blessings, when we stop being thankful, when our imaginations are only self-seeking and self-serving, then we become foolish, lacking God, and our hearts become hard. It's that not simple. It's not an easy process because God doesn't want it to be easy because he he's still trying to reach you, trying to reach you, trying to reach you, trying to reach you until finally it's just like, Reprobate. I can't hear you anymore. La 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 la. I didn't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. For so long that you can. First Thessalonians 5.18. He reminds us, in everything, give thanks. Now some of you, all of you, have been through terrible things in your life. In everything, give thanks. He didn't say be thankful for the tragedies in your life. He didn't. He said, even in the midst of that, I'm still on the throne. I still love you. You're only in this life for a flicker, and there's still plenty of good things to look around and see. And I'm not just saying that I'm not sensitive or compassionate. Listen, Jesus will cry with you. He will, he will, he's right there with you. He's capturing every tear. He loves you, but it's healthier and more productive and more beneficial for you to praise God in the midst of the storm because then there are supernatural laws in place to get wonderful peace and provision to you because he's standing there and you've got, got a great cloud of witnesses around you going, look at my baby, look at my baby, all that going on still praising me. A lot of things can reveal that attitude of ingratitude in a believer. The trials of life, loss, which we all suffer, confrontation, all the reasons why the, the different parables of the soils, you know, the ones who don't last and have shallow roots and can't handle confrontation about their, their fate. Even things that are seemingly good sometimes, wealth, success. Look at David. You know, it was time for the kings to be out fighting wars, and he stayed home. He had a lot of success, and he's getting up in the middle of the day. Ooh, look at that pretty girl down there. Who's that? Send for her. And it just brought a domino effect of tragedy into his life and family, which was very long-lasting. Forgetfulness is another reason that we're, you know, it's good to make a track record of God's faithfulness in our lives. Write it down. Write down your prayers and then go back in that spiral notebook and look. He's, oh, wow, God did that, 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 that. He did everything I prayed, he did. You know what it does? It strengthens your faith. Then you say, well, now I'm going to ask for this. And when I pray, I'm going to believe that I have it when I pray. And then I'm going to go and make sure my heart is pure and I have forgiven everyone of everything. 
things. I don't want to hinder this prayer. I don't want to keep my conscience defiled so that I can't hear and receive from God. It's not God that's turning it off. It's our receivers that get blocked up, you see? His transmitter is always on full blast. The grace of God has already been provided, already established. But when we get into condemnation, our receivers get a little off. We're in the Tune it in a little bit. And there's lots of easy ways to do that. Basically, it's when you fall, fall forward toward God. Yeah. Learn not to run from God when you get into big trouble or when you make mistakes. He already knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Got news for you. He forgave it 2,000 years ago. Yes, amen. Fall toward him. Run toward him. Don't run from him ever. Ever, ever, ever. Because when you run from God, you're running right into the arms of the enemy yes. who, who really caused the problem. Yes, that's right. And it's a trap. He'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and charge you more than you want to pay. <laughs> Thankful heart is something that has to be cultivated in the life of a believer. You weren't born thankful. <laughs> Quite the opposite. How many of you, I mean, you all know what a little baby, they don't care what time it is. They don't care who's present. They don't care where you are. Wah! Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me what I want right now when I want it, what I want. <laughs> problem is, see, problem is we got a bunch of bunch of spiritual infants that have been practicing their infancy for five, six decades. Stunted growth there, you know. And it can all start changing the moment we decide, decide hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a thankful person. I'm going to remember that God is the source of everything good and the devil is the one who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything negative in my life, God didn't do it. Everything positive, he did. I'm just going to look. I'm going to start at the floor and work my way up and just start giving praise and honor and glory and watch. And I, I recommend praying in the spirit, folks. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I will help you. But I don't want to keep you long today. I, I just wanted to enjoy you today, and I have. But there was a, in Luke chapter 17... Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. I'm not going to open this to go there because I'll read the whole thing to you. But in Luke chapter 17, I think the 11th through the 19th verse, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and, he, and there were 10 lepers outside of a little village and they, they called out to him to heal him. And he told them, go, show yourself to the priest. And, uh, and as they went, they were all healed. And one of them turned back and went back and, and, and gave thanks to the Lord. One of them. And he says, where, where are the other nine? And... There's a, a lot of lessons in that. But the nine went, went their own way. They were still healed. But I don't, I've thought about this and I've heard so many different messages and things about that. But and, and I just think, if you just think about it in today's standards, you know, just today's culture, whatever. I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that these people were ungrateful. I mean, you say, well, they didn't, give, they didn't say thank you. They must be ungrateful. I don't think they may, maybe they were, but they weren't necessarily ungrateful people. I think what they were is carnal. They were preoccupied with themselves. I mean, they had been sick. I mean, they had lost their homes and families. They'd have to be separated. They had lost everything, and now they're well again, you know? So, I mean, it's probably Thanksgiving. 
No time to give thanks. <laughs> Somebody will be able to get that later. <laughs> they wanted to get home. They wanted to go see the people that they had been missing and let them know. And hey, look, and look, you know. But they still, they neglected to express their gratitude to the one responsible for their well-being. And it's just that simple, folks. Even now, relatively few people who receive the goodness of the Lord return to give him thanks for what he's done. And we all have done it. And it shouldn't be that way. But, it, you know, it doesn't keep the Lord still from, from doing what is good. What is right for people? He's, he's that good. All of those people were healed according to their request. All ten of them were, were healed. But just the one was thankful. And he's the only one that was made whole. There's a Luke 17, 19. And depending on what translation you have. But that word for he was made whole or healed is this word sozo. He's the only one of sozo. That's an all-inclusive. He was, he was not only he got all his fingers and nose back healed of that terrible disease but he was saved. The Lord's concerned about our physical needs. He tells us on Matthew 6.30 and he says for us not to worry about those things. God's aware of the things that we need. But he's even more concerned about our eternal needs. All the lepers needed physical healing. That's for sure. And the Lord was moved with compassion. He met that need. But he also desired to meet all of their spiritual needs. And only one of them came back to, to, for that. And he got it because he was thankful and didn't forget to give thanks to the Lord. We talk a lot here about spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that we're spirit, soul, and body, three-part beings. And it's important that we do because without understanding that, that we're three-part beings and that the essential part of us is spirit, just like our Father in heaven. John 4.24 says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So He, God is a spirit with a soul like us, believe it or not. But we're aware of our soulish realm. But we can't discern our spirit with our natural senses. And we can't learn about it in school because they don't have any awareness of it. Psychology and all that. They're limited to the physical body and to the soulish realm, which everybody's aware of. We know we have a personality, a mind, a will, and emotions. That's our soulish realm. But if we don't understand the spiritual aspect, we'll struggle within our understanding of God and of our salvation. That's why we talk about it so much. It's sort of foundational to a life of faith that we're called to. Well, the Lord desires for us to prosper spirit, soul, and body. Like I said, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. Thankfulness to the Lord for who he is and what he's done is like that spiritual thermometer I told you about. The amount of time you spend thanking God and praising him is a great uh, self-test or, or indicator of, of where you are in your relationship with God. So start using that. I would encourage everyone, just, use, just put thankful question mark on your mirror. You know, and put an arrow up, you know, like remembering who to be thankful to. And just to remind yourself or to ask yourself that question. You know, you get so busy and then all of a sudden you glance and you see that. Oh, you know what, Lord, I just want to stop in my tracks. He stopped me in my tracks all the time. Because I stopped him in his tracks one day. And I've never gotten over never gotten over getting saved and I never want to and I don't want you to either and I'm never going to forget the source of that salvation and what he did to pay for it and I'm never going to stop being thankful for that 
Savannah, <laughs> my beautiful wife, happy anniversary, honey. She listens to all the messages when she has to work. She understands the, all the doctrine. She understands everything I teach very well. She's really sharp, very, has that childlike faith. But last week, she's like, yeah, good message. I'm like, what's going on? So I asked her about it. I'm like, you know, she goes, well, I'm still trying to figure out the joke. <laughs> He didn't need the haircut when the service started. It was a long service and it grew. Oh, okay. But she says, she says, you know, because I could do a message like this about being thankful and all that. And, she, and, and, and so I think I must have done that to her one day. With me, it's about Jesus in about an hour. And she summed it up. She goes, yeah. We're kind of like that Thanksgiving turkey that gets pardoned by the president every year. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> How long have we been going? It feels long enough. I think the Lord's telling me to stop. I'm only about, I'm just getting started on the message. <laughs> well, it's been a blessing to me. I'm going to stop here because I think the Lord just put the brakes on me. And without him, I, I, ain't, doing, I ain't going nowhere. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for a holiday to remind us to be thankful. And help us, Lord, to help others and to remind ourselves that it's the thankfulness is to you. And to keep you at the center of it all and the center of everything in our lives and to point others to you as the source of everything good. So Lord, we just pray for all those who are hurting and all those who are in lack. And we just ask that you meet them in all that they're pointing to need. We thank you, Lord, for all those who are here today. We just thank you for blessing them in every way. Thank you for everyone who's listening to this message in some other place and some other time. Thank you in San Angelo, Texas. We love you. Thank you in Dallas. Thank you in Chicago. Thank you in Tennessee. Thank you all over the country. Thank you in Frankfurt, Germany. Thank you in Switzerland. Thank you in Brazil. Thank you in Canada. Thank you in Japan. We thank you for everyone who hears this message. I am praying for you just like I do all of those here in our midst. We just wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. We just want to keep it all pointed toward the Lord. Remind ourselves, keep ourselves encouraged in the Lord and remind ourselves that he is the source of everything good. So we love you, Lord. We thank you that you're a good, good father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and made a way for us back into relationship with you, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.